You know, the sorting hat in Harry Potter was the original chat GPT. <laughs> what makes you say that? I don't know. I just thought it was a good reference. Does that make any sense? It's been a long time since I read those books. I don't know. I just heard somebody on a podcast mention the sorting hat in, in passing, which, again, this is, not, this is not one of those things where I'm pretending not to know a thing, but the sorting hat was only used to tell the kids which houses they were going to be in. I right. think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. And the sorting hat was magic of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yep, that checks and out. And isn't that what everybody in the tech industry wants to think? AI chatbots? I don't know. Mm, anyway. That's not your best, but... You know what? Uh, you can you can try starting the show next week. <laughs> that's not, um, my, not my department. <laughs> okay, I haven't had to uh, ever open Logic to deal with this show, so uh, I will I will, I will accept that. Okay, but the uh, the actual uh, thing that was upsetting this week or that is going to help us ease into the show is this. So I will send you a link. All right. So we've right. talked about advertising and bad rebrands before, right? I'm sure we have, yeah. Okay. So I was listening to the Journal podcast earlier this week, and the pre-roll ad was for coffee it was for the, the Folgers coffee company and well i can't ask you to guess it because you have it in front of you but the new slogan of Folgers coffee which if people will remember it's like the bat i'm not trying to be a coffee elitist even though i kind of am i'm sorry it's the it's the bad coffee i think it's 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 one step above maxwell house and the, which is one step above like the safeway signature brand <laughs> and it's basically just like it's just extremely mediocre pre-ground coffee that you stick in a in a in a mr coffee it's it's not it's like it's it's ideal for that kind of weird probably you don't even know where it's been hotel room coffee maker if you've been to a hotel that has not switched to the bad for the environment k-cups anyway so the new slogan is damn right it's folgers and the gist of it is, and you can you can well, you can maybe put the the so the first video in this link is a YouTube clip that you can watch on mute. The whole thing is that they're leaning into like the bad reputation that the coffee has, and like the people that love it, like love it aggressively and unironically. And there's even a lady who's making pour over with Folgers, which is a thing I think zero people <laughs> in the history of society have ever done and that's the thing like but like like you don't have to be a snob about coffee and that's not that's not what i'm doing here like you you can like coffee like the coffee is just a a vehicle for caffeine most like most people don't actually like coffee that drink coffee it's mostly that it's 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 easy it's it's less shameful than just like what were those things in, in college that people used to take like they were caffeine pills but they had a name hmm think i remember what you're talking about i thought you were going to say um less bad than just you know downing a, a monster or something because i mean that was another approach that was more acceptable in our younger years and today <laughs> um <laughs> i i have uh i'm a, I'm a bad for, well okay so that we'll put up in the folders thing for a sec i have excised um 
like the the truly bad energy drinks i i was never like one of the like the weird people that i i've never drank like the the super out there ones but there was a a rock star energy drink that was fairly innocuous that mostly tasted just like fake sugar lemonade that one was kind of okay but i i i still will uh, every once in a while have a have a red bull even though it they, it does nothing but yeah, it I, feels I, like it's doing something. I'm like 97% sure we've had this conversation on the show before, but a former employer of mine used to have just Red Bulls for free in the kitchen, and that that became a problem for a little while. But regular Red Bulls or sugar-free Red Bulls? They, they had both, so you could... Oh, which, which were you... I mostly picking? stuck to the sugar-free... Yeah, because the other one, it's it's a lot. Of, like, I, you probably have a much higher metabolism than I do, but like, I that thirty grams of just a pop of pure sugar in exchange for what amounts to half a cup of coffee is is not a good not a good trade, right? But anyway, but like, but this 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 is this is a this is a silly a silly slogan, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense because like I don't. It's just it's 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 not even edgy, but I think. Like I can, I can think of like the Mad Men style pitch, or not Mad Men, but like, but like, kind of like you're in a boardroom, and they're like, "Oh man, this this is this is gonna get millennials on Folgers." I don't know who this is speaking towards. I don't know. It it, the link will be in the show notes, and it's worth watching because they're certainly trying, and I get it. And I actually think so. I so I actually because I I enjoy advertising and and kind of seeing the way brand evolution happens if you actually read the entirety of this thing and it's it, there's a, a lot of related um if you just google damn right folgers rebrand you can find a lot of decent coverage about it when this launched a year ago and like they're leaning into the new orleans heritage of the coffee like and, and there's some good stuff but the whole it's it, it's it's just not it's not it's not clicking it's it's the same as I and we did cover this on the show. It's it's as equivalent as when Sears in Canada tried to get WTS trending, which was what the Sears. <laughs> it's the same thing where it's just not. It's, I mean, a, a for effort, but you're never going to make Folgers cool. Like if if they just slapped a different, if they gave it an entirely different name, like if they just took wait is is. Has tech? We're on Web three now, so you can't just remove the vowels. That's not cool anymore. But uh, could they make it an NFT? I don't know. There's some. There's other stuff that they could have done, but this is very jarring just to hear like this really aggressive um, like voiceover before a business podcast saying, "Damn right, it's Folgers," and that's not. Um, and I don't think that's fighting back third wave coffee. <laughs> also, yeah, it's it. Uh, not relevant anymore, but do you remember when Radio Shack became the Shack for I like do. six months? And then mm-hmm. I wonder if Bed Bath & Beyond is going to try one of those before that whole thing happens. So what, <sighs> what would they become, do you think? Just maybe like BBB just or beyond. something? Oh, oh, that's good. No, no, just, just, yeah. just, just, just drop the rest of it. Nice. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's good. What was... Oh, <sighs> Never mind. There was an, there's I, again. I don't know if it was Mad Men or not. Well, maybe this was The Office. There was one of them where it was like, just hey, just what about just so, ah? Never mind. It'll, it'll come to me in thirty minutes. Anyway, you sent me a link to something. 
Yeah, the, this uh, this uh, talk of energy drinks and caffeine in general and stuff got me thinking to something that I had seen recently, which which I have not purchased or or tried in any way. Um, mostly out of just fear that if I were to ever try one of these, I would go down the sugar-free Red Bull rabbit hole that I did a number of years ago. There's this company, um, Ghost, who I had never previously heard of. It, uh, looking around on their Amazon page, they make a variety of various beverages, um, including something that's branded Ghost Gamer Energy and Focus Support Formula, which... <laughs> not even going to look any further into what that is but honestly i was into it up until you said formula <laughs> because that's the whole thing it's like remember when there was the mtn do code red and you can get you yeah could buy for like, halo you get like a master yep. like a master chief under the cap or something i i absolutely remember that um Ooh, anyway vegan. so this what's that uh this the sour patch ghost thing is vegan so. oh they got that going for yeah um uh-huh. So they, um, they're, they're, you know, a beverage company that, that makes energy drinks and they, I think somewhat recently have come out with these candy inspired flavors, including Sour Patch Kid flavors. And I, even as a adult now have a bit of a, a weak spot for sour candy. And so something like this seems almost, you know, tailor made for me, but I, I, I fear if I were to ever try one of these again, that would just lead me down a path that I would rather not go down. It's called a shame spiral, right? That's a name. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, I feel like you would be more all over this if if it had a fireball integration. Oh man, don't even was don't it, even wasn't that give... the thing? No, I actually think that was literally you. Wasn't there a thing where people were like soaking? They were they, uh, they were like sous viding like sour patch kids in fireball. Oh man. That was, I that's that's a that's a bridge too far what do you mean i don't know about cinnamon and sour candy that doesn't no i swear to literally you have eaten that i know i i have eaten that you're saying yes anyway never mind where where did i where did i eat that uh offline offline what what happened all right uh We'll get back to this. Okay. All right. Ew, orange cream. Oh, I almost. Oh yeah, no. There's some. There, there's there's some duds in here, but um, the the sour patch know, kids ones sound pretty good. I know there's no way to do it, and obviously it would never work in this form. But I would, if La La Colombe, La Colombi, whatever, if they could find a way to make like a, a Reese's kind of like you know, Duncan does all the wacky flavors. Like I mean, if there was a way to make kind of like one of those canned lattes that had kind of like a vague peanut butter vibe i think i feel i'd be pretty into that hmm yeah I, I, like, I, but I, in terms of like drinking like like this because this this makes me think somebody put a red bull and uh a bunch of sour patch kids in a vitamix like and that's not yeah i don't i don't i don't like this no Mm-mm. no The name Ghost and Mantra Be Seen comes from that feeling of being behind the scenes and wanting to be heard. We are all ghosts. This is our time. Okay. Okay. Right. Oh, dear. Uh, ooh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Christmas is solved for you. Apparently, they make t-shirts. Okay. All right. Follow up. Uh, we talked about this like one or two weeks ago, but back when, what's his name? John Oland? Who's the who's the who's the guy who writes for Sports Business Journal? 
I I think that was his was that name. close? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He had a whole thing where he was talking about um, how MLB and others might be trying to deal more directly with consumers or big major media platforms and that the losers in this situation was going to be generally the regional sports networks like Comcast Sports or is it just, no, it's just called NBC Sports Bay Area now. Um, and what was it? So Bally Sports is owned by Sinclair Media. No, right. Diamond Sports. And yeah. they bought the divestitures of the Fox regional sport, ne- sport networks when the 20th Century Fox Disney merger happened, right? Maybe? Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Okay. And apparently it's not going well. And uh, that 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 um, company is likely headed for bankruptcy. Or or maybe that, can, it, can a single division of a company be... File for oh no! It's actually it's going to be the parent company in general. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I have prejudice against this just because I never liked the name because it has implicitly a um, Las Vegas casino sports betting tilt to it, which kind of colors the programming in general. But yeah, um, Ryan will have in the link in in the show notes uh, the link to the athletic article that kind of runs through what that might look like. Yeah, I definitely would encourage people to read this. It goes into some in-depth coverage around bankruptcy law, which I'd be the first to admit is uh, not in my wheelhouse. But there there are a lot of really interesting outcomes, which range anywhere from the bankruptcy process essentially voiding the deals that um, Diamond has with the mid with major league baseball the nhl and the nba that seems to not be the most likely scenario but but could happen or alternatively which sounds like the more plausible scenario is that there could be sort of a renegotiation of those deals um with the three leagues and diamond and that too while not i guess as extreme as ripping up the deals altogether would still be really really impactful to the leagues which you know we've discussed this in previous shows where TV money and specifically this regional sports network money is a huge part of um, certain teams' income, and many teams' income. And, you know, all of that also then kind of bubbles up to the way that, like, the salary cap is calculated, et cetera. So it's definitely seems like a, a story to to watch, given that it's it's almost certainly, no matter what the exact outcome, is going to end up having a, a huge uh, impact on baseball hockey and basketball and again <clears throat> and again as you admitted you, you aren't the expert on this particular but does it if somebody renegotiates their contracts below like the market rate due to bankruptcy do does do the other non-bankrupt companies have any renegotiation power yeah i i, I don't know i mean that's that's that, that, that seems it, like quite like we're like basically your, your failure as a um you get to keep all the right, like, because yeah, if you're, if you're just paying less for the same thing, that seems like something that would factor into what the solvent, uh, companies are paying. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah no, I, I think you're actually, you're going down an interesting path and not, not to go, you know, 10 steps ahead here with the, the agenda, but, um, you know, you've now heard, you know, Turner and, and now today Disney talk about how they're going to be 
a little more frugal about the way that they think about spending on on sports rights and you know the the NBA which is kind of the next big media rights deal to to come up is is going to be in that situation where not only are they dealing with you know something like the bankruptcy of Diamond but also this idea that you know the the last media rights deal for the NBA and all the other leagues were signed at a time where you know streaming still wasn't really quite a thing yet and while you know the the decline of um the cable bundle was was an idea that was out there and was like maybe kind of starting to happen around the edges wasn't really quite a thing like we're talking you know 2016 through 2018 I think is when most of the leagues signed their last major deal but now that you know now now that's very different where streaming's a big thing cord cutting really has accelerated that's compounded by um what's what's the apple phrase here general macroeconomic conditions or whatever <laughs> whatever they kept citing in their earnings last week mm-hmm. um so yeah no so i think i think you're on the right track like I, I, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the the prices around these these media rights even from buyers who aren't necessarily facing something as you know serious as diamond is with outright bankruptcy yeah or at least have that like that now eliminates um other active bidders who might bid up the price and also um not to lump in the the tech uh pressures stories but also where there was now this new group of people vying for these rights um even the established players that are not having nearly as much um trouble pivoting to profitability like Amazon, a lot of, like Amazon, definitely like their their stock is way way down. Like might be a lot less uh, predisposed to overpay for content. And again, that just overall drives down the price for everybody. So, yeah, and and I think well, I'm sure I've said this on you know at least one previous show where I I kind of just assumed that these next round of rights that, that you know starting with the NBA next year I think and then you know the other leagues over the next handful of years I thought we'd get one kind of last overpay because you've got you know alphabet and amazon and apple and others sort of getting into this space for the first time so they'd be you know really excited to to you know get their foot in the door and and um build out a partnership with the the leagues and there's i think there's still maybe some of that i mean obviously there was just the sunday ticket thing and and the thursday night football thing Although those are both examples of football, which is a sport that we haven't really talked about in this conversation, because that's kind of in a whole different, um, whole different league of its own, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. I think I think you're right. Like with with the way that efficiency and cost cutting has really become a focus over the last six to eight months. You know, I mean, there's still some time for that to kind of turn the other way around before these these media rights deals come up but but if if things are largely kind of where they are today then it will be interesting to see how that plays out and, and maybe maybe there isn't one last big overpay you know maybe maybe things are changing sooner than most thought that it would yeah and most of the nfl deals there that is negotiated through like 2026 2028 right yeah, the NFL's a little further out. Yeah, that's right. All right, on to the regular things. So this next bit is uh 
I've given up on the iPhone 14 um, and I'm on the record multiple times as stating that I do not like the Dynamic Island and I think it's a waste and it's a regression in a lot of ways. But you, ever the optimist, continue to hope for it to be good and much uh, and, and are facing a perpetual Lucy with the football situation or Charlie Brown with Lucy and the football situation. So what is, what, what's your current state of live activities? Well, I mean, my, my current state is that I don't really ever see them. <laughs> I mean, I still, the only app, well, the only like, you know, non-music playing app where I ever see live activities is Carrot Weather. It does a thing where it'll bring open a little live activity if it um, uh, anticipates rain over this, you know, next couple of hours or I forget what its exact threshold is, um, which is like kind of a neat implementation of live activities but even that one use has highlighted another problem that live activities i think have i mean i think i i told you this offline online like this isn't something i've been able to extensively test with other apps because i don't i don't have a bunch of apps that actually use live activities but the thing with carrot weathers is that if you don't open the app after what seems like not all that long of a time, like maybe half an hour or something, it it just sort of like closes the live activity and, and pulls open a little push notification that says, hey, if you want the live activity to continue, you've got to open the app again, which is just not, is not great. And I think also still speaks to the kind of over-aggressive nature of um App, Apple's sort of management of background processes in iOS. Um, but I think, I mean, more, more so than that specific complaint, it, it's it's kind of the, the first point that I made that I'm still kind of hung up on, which is it just feels like live activities still just have not taken off in any way and that the, you know, the whole dynamic island thing is really kind of a, kind of a bust so far. Yeah, and I've, Again, reiterating a point I've already made on prior shows, which is that it's just, it doesn't behoove. And like, there's no, what's what's in it for the developers? Like, that's the thing where if it's a purely software feature that's available across all phones, or like, if it's like, if it's the hot new feature that's part of iOS 16. So like, it, like widgets are a good example of that. Or like shortcuts automations, like, because what, like your install base is so large you have a reason to be an early adopter or want to hit that day one target or embrace that because anybody who can run the latest OS, which is generally the previous five generations of phones, has that option. But this is a feature that's kind of a niche feature on only the highest end phone. So even though the product mix is, in at least in more developed markets, is leaned um, skewed heavily towards the pro models, it is, it, there's no incentive for anybody really anybody really to try this because like if you if you map it out of the devices on ios 16 i have no numbers for this but like let's say seven percent are 14 pros so just is that where your development efforts gonna go Meh. and apple realistically themselves haven't shown a whole ton of use cases like i've i've found the dynamic island to be something i really wish i could turn off and in many ways, is just super half-assedly baked. Like, even the two obvious ones, which are the ESPN app and rideshare apps, 
I don't think either of them have incorporated live activities in any meaningful way or at all. And I think you brought up this point around how the other problem with live activities is that they have the potential to decrease engagement with your app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is also not really in developers' interests. So, yeah, that's in, in hindsight, that's sort of an obvious point that that I definitely miss. And I, I don't really, I didn't see any sort of um, opinion around that when when the feature was announced. So that's that's a that's an interesting um, kind of an interesting view on them. Yeah, and the other thing is, even before the 14 Pro was announced, um, were they? Well, it wasn't the dynamic. I think they were still called Live Activities they at were, WWDC, yeah. but yeah. they were just they were just kind of like rich widgets or like kind of more expansive use of the notification center area. Right. So it it wasn't even a surprise with the iPhone. Well, actually, and that you couldn't third parties couldn't use the dynamic island until 16.1. Right. I think. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a mess all around, but also, like, I absolutely get why no developers care, because, like, people are only going to be mad at you. Like, if, if it's not good enough, you're going you're gonna to have fussy nerds complaining about it, and most other people won't care. Yeah. Yeah, it, se- it just, it seems like the Dynamic Island's going to end up having a weird legacy, because it, it's... Well, it's going to be a touch bar. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because it's it doesn't seem like it's going to be around for more than maybe like the next couple of years or however long it ends up taking Apple to just get all the face ID and front facing camera stuff underneath the display, which definitely seems like a matter of, you know, when, not if. And I mean, even even the when seems like it's, yeah, may- maybe two to three cycles away. So you know, I mean, maybe by that point, apps will have more uh, embraced it because it'll be on more phones, etc. But yeah, I don't know. It just seems like kind of a kind of a bust. And it, in some ways, I guess it sort of doesn't matter because you know that was a space on the phone that you know ever since the iPhone ten hasn't really been you know a, a useful space like ever since the original notch. So it's not like it's not like they cut out part of the screen that was previously usable to to put it there, but I don't know. Still, it's just kind of a um, a lot of potential with that feature that just hasn't been um, fully realized yet. Which, which, yeah, I mean, bringing up the touch bar is actually a, a pretty good analogy. Yeah, um, I will give uh, people a really amazing pro tip that kind of changed my life. Do you have your phone in front of you? I do not know. Okay. Well, you can imagine it. So if you take your phone and you ha- anytime you start playing any media, the dynamic island, it, the album art and little waveforms get sucked up into there. Uh, and same thing if you happen to be, like if you set a timer on the phone itself as opposed to your Apple Watch, um, you can do a swipe either l- like, basically if you swipe into the dynamic island, you can make make it stop showing whatever it's showing. So if you don't want to have to do the thing where you have to crop out your screenshots so that people know that you're listening to whatever podcast or like embarrassing music you have, that is a simple gesture, which I'm frequently doing just to get, because just it's the visual distraction. Like even though the waveforms kind of look neat at first, it's 
it's just another visual distraction on a device that's designed for visual distraction. So the easiest way, you can't do this on a permanent basis, but for until you happen to open that media playback again or, or whatever was causing the dynamic island to do something other than just be blank, you can swipe from just into the dynamic island. So if you're swiping from the right edge, swipe left to the center, and that will cause it to go away. Hmm. And then reiterating a previous tip, because you can no longer tap in the middle, if you need to go to the top of a list view, tap the time in the upper left corner. Hmm. All right. Um, what else? Okay, we don't have a lot of details here, but um, The Verge has an exclusive of some sort, and the exclusive is the name of a new product for the... the I, I don't know what these are going to be, because the... So The Verge reports that there are going to be two new speakers from Sonos called the Era 300 and the Era 100. Maybe they're trying to ride the coattails of Taylor Swift's The Era's tour. I don't know. But uh, apparently these are supposed to be in the 300-ish range, which puts them above the Sonos 1, but below the Sonos... I don't know if it's still called the Play 5, but whatever their like, kind of chonky speaker is they suggest that it targets the home pod but also i don't think the home pod uh, begets or or attracts any challengers because it's not a product anybody wants so yeah interesting not not super certain what the addressable market is here because i don't think they would discontinue the sonos one just because unless you can get it in that because what's the what isn't there a sonos one that doesn't have the alexa stuff in it yeah the sonos sl i think it's called the one sl that one yeah yeah so that one i mean that one's 199 i think it regularly discounts sometimes to 149 or 179 like unless you're targeting that price point like i don't think that's a price point they want to abandon so i'm not really sure what going up a hundred really does because then that now kind of competes with the move. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it sounds like one of the big features of these devices is going to be supporting spatial audio and Dolby Atmos, which um, it seems, I don't know, that, that, that supporting Dolby Atmos in a like single speaker format seems very gimmicky to me because atmos is almost entirely a movie technology like are are there even any tv shows that are mastered in atmos uh yeah i mean pretty much pretty much all the modern streaming stuff is is in atmos yeah hmm but also but like yeah like but sonos ones or something that's this kind of speaker i yeah i don't really that's not really gonna be involved in a home theater environment generally well, yeah, and, unless, I mean, unless and you're even, like, unless you're like in the fraction of people who are using these as like rear channel thingies, like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess so. Like, but even you know, even in a setup like mine, which we've previously talked about, where I've got you know the the arc and then uh, two Sonos ones in the rear, like you know, I I can't say even with you know my my setup that you know Dolby Atmos is making this like radical difference with you know the sound that's that's coming out of my my tv um because again it's 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 a sound bar so it's like there's only really so 
much you can do in terms of bouncing sound around in the way that Atmos is, is intended to do. So trying to fit that tech into a, a single speaker, I don't know, just seems very gimmicky to me. But but we'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you know, yeah. I obviously very a very um um embedded Sonos household <laughs> um uh I have here. So you know, I'm I'm always kind of interested to see what, what Sonos is doing next. Yeah. And I don't think we've talked about it yet, but I but it is nice to have um friend of the show Mike Hurley on board with the Sonos train. Yeah, no, it's it's you know, it it's it it's great. I mean, the 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 software around it is really good. Its airplay implementation is really good. Um, you know, I I think all of the speakers sound they sound fine. I I like I can't say I'm ever really like totally blown away by any of them, but like they're all they're all solid. And they're they're all just really well well designed. Like the whole, the whole system is very it's got a very Apple kind of polish mm-hmm. to it. Mm. In a in a way that Apple's own audio products don't have, ironically. That's what that that, that was that's <laughs> be my point. Which is I mean it it is and again it 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 has that Santa Barbara energy in it, so I think that's mm-hmm. half the product too. That's that's right. But I mean you are right. The audio quality kind of sometimes like I actually feel like a single Sonos speaker generally doesn't actually ever sound that good, but if you have them multiple speakers working a concert together, um it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 the 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 software and like just the way that it works, and also just and to give Apple some credit, like AirPlay two, like the the, uh, the on demand speaker groupings from a single device is a very 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 nice feature. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So. Mm, Apple first, or do you think the the TV thing parlays into all the other TV stuff? Yeah, the the TV thing. I probably should have just lumped that into the the streaming news section. In fact, I might might do something kind of unprecedented here and and in real time, kind of move. Is that move what they that. say in football as calling an audible? Uh, yeah, nicely done. Go Packers! All right. Um. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Apple's earning reports. I'm going to lean on, uh, basically, this could be all you. All I know is that uh, there were a lot of uh, 4X headwinds that caused um, trouble. Like, I, this this is, I, I disagreed with a lot of the discussion on Upgrade about this in terms of, like, the whole point of, like, they make so much money. Everybody should be happy all the time. But anyway, can you, can you tee up what, what were the highlights of the top line numbers? Yeah, well, so it, it's a it's it's a funny quarter because it's Apple's single biggest fiscal quarter, uh, single largest fiscal quarter of all time. But the the largest fiscal quarter of all time was fiscal Q one of last year, which of course is what this is going to be compared to. Um, so you know the year over year. Um, comps are, are a bit of a, a bit of a tough compare, um, as as you and Tim Cook would say. Um, and but there's a lot of sort of even calling this just Apple's second largest quarter. There's sort of a lot of caveats with that, or sort of a lot of not I guess maybe not necessarily one off events, but a lot of sort of like 
financial accounting kind of stuff that is, is skewing the numbers a little bit. One of which is is yeah, foreign currency effects where um ironically Apple stopped, you know, record uh, reporting unit sales some number of years ago. And it would have been really easy for them to to tell the story, you know, this time around if they were still reporting unit numbers to say, well, you know, units are actually flat or maybe even up in some territories, but because of the strong US dollar, you know, foreign currency impacts are actually, you know, making it seem as if if well, I mean, revenue truly is down in those areas, but but not because there's fewer units being sold. It's it's just because of the way that, you know, foreign currency conversion works. So there's, you know, there's that. And then of course there were all the, you know, shutdowns with iPhone manufacturing in the early part of the quarter. Um but yeah, I mean, again, even kind of putting that all together, like <laughs> it was still still a huge, a huge quarter. And there, re- there really wasn't anything that stood out to me. And it doesn't really seem like I, I haven't really seen anybody have this take where there were there really wasn't anything in the numbers that was like alarming or sort of like indicative of some you know larger problem. So kind of a quarter that was just full of of again sort of macroeconomic stuff that isn't super indicative of, you know, the health of Apple's business one way or the other. So that that I get and don't get. So but the uh, foreign currency stuff isn't that <clears throat> isn't that Apple's fault for not adjusting the price of the product in those local markets? Well, doesn't that mean, but doesn't that mean they're basically only, discounting the product? There's only so much you can do, though, right? Like Apple's not going to charge more for it because well, if, you, if you're getting less once you convert it back into U.S. dollars and you're a U.S. based company, like you then charge more for something, right? You could, but I mean, you're you're going to be chasing your tail a bit there. Where if you're trying to dynamically change the pricing of your product products to you know account for changes in foreign currency, I mean that's you're probably going to have limited success in being able to accurately do that. And, you know, just raising prices because of foreign currency conversions, while, you know, some, some customers will obviously look the other way when that happens. I, you, you would be turning off some customers doing that too. So, well, but I, I mean, but I mean, two, two things with that. So, I mean, well, then you are selling the product, then you're inherently selling the product at a discount if you don't. And also when has Apple ever really cared about turning people off due to price <laughs> i mean like i i get it but i kind of don't like i mean that's yeah i mean like currently like imports are cheaper for u.s cuts like i mean like that that totally makes sense but you i, I feel like you can't cite that as a reason for underperforming when you had when there was a remedy available to you well, talk to <clears throat> talk to talk to luca about it oh look at my phone okay oh man i have so many lucas in here um Still got to watch that movie, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't no, know. I don't know if it's can, good. No, you can you can skip that one. Wait, oh, oh, it's Encanto. That's the good one. Encanto. Oh, have you not seen Encanto? No, I don't. I don't use Disney Plus because I don't mm. like looking at Star Wars stuff, and therefore that keeps me from just skipping over the icon. Is Encanto good? Encanto is really good. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um. So yeah. So there's that, but also what? What else? Wait. What? What were the other? No, like I. This is the point that I think, I think Jason actually did end up making a good point to kind of counteract, and it just, it wasn't it wasn't a bad question from Mike, but it's just that it's not the 
the response to quarterly results is not necessarily a reflection on the quarter that just happened. It's how does that suggest what will be the future outcomes? Because stock prices are generally based off of uh, not what not what you did for me lately. It's it's what what is about to happen. That's that's being an, an like that's forward looking investing. So like yeah, I get it, but also there is a lot of stuff going on that maybe suggests that the appetite for extremely costly phones is maybe going to go down a little bit. I mean, it's it's a it's a decent takeaway when you think about not strictly supply related constraints like this did they speak to was there was there much discussion or did did jason have this in his transcript about like unit sales left on the table because like in prior quarters they talked about well if there weren't there hadn't been this covid shutdowns we would there are all these max sales that would have actually been able to been had this quarter but we're not and i know supply was constrained much of the christmas holiday season but it did eventually catch up so yeah, I don't know. Like that—that's my only concern. Is that I? Yes, it was actually in spite of everything else, a good quarter. But I do think a company like Apple, that in a global recession or a global slowdown, extremely costly phones might be something that becomes something um, that people prioritize less. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the highlights. So. Uh, Mac sales down quite a bit. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but iPads, oddly the bright spot, even though percentage wise, a much smaller piece of the pie. I think, uh, I think iPhone sales are still like 55 to 60% of total overall revenues. Well, um, iPad. The, 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 well, the, the iPad thing though is, well, the, is that's a one-off definitely. Yeah. It's a one-off because last year, Apple sort of, you know, given their limited, production capacity kind of prioritized the iphone and the mac and, and really deprioritized the ipad so the ipad you just basically couldn't buy at you know this time last year but now mm-hmm. the, the ipad was readily available this year and you know they came out with those those new models too during the quarter so put that all together and yeah i mean it's still it's still a oh, really yeah. big ipad quarter but the that the, was a 30 percent growth yeah a little bit of a yeah anomaly yeah. Um, and then the Mac, I mean, makes sense. Again, the, a term you consistently uh, can uh, tell me is probably not a real thing, but but it pulled it pulled forward a lot of demand uh, that otherwise would not have been there. And like, and people who bought a new Mac and wanted a new Mac probably probably bought it by now. And two models that they, uh, like one would guess, did not have the production capacity in advance of the holidays. Um, it would have probably been a fall release were released like two weeks ago. So that might have made that drop less precipitous. Right. Um, any other biggies? Was it was there a services story in this one or not really? Um, services revenue, the you know, the growth there um sort of has continued to slow. Um you know, Apple, I guess it particularly attributed the the foreign currency headwinds as having a, a pretty large impact with with services revenue so you know hard to hard to really know or hard to kind of tease that out as you would say given that apple doesn't really provide a lot more kind of detailed 
context around that number. So, um, but you know, the, the kind of the, the heyday of, you know, 20 plus percent services revenue growth quarter over quarter, those, those days seem to be behind Apple now, which, you know, kind of, kind of makes sense, right? Like there's, you know, (laughs) there's only, there's only so much services revenue you can sort of squeeze out of people. And there really hasn't been, there hasn't really been anything super new on the services front for a little while now. So, you know, if you want an Apple One subscription or something like that, I mean, you you, you probably already have one. Mm-hmm. But just wait until Americans discover, discover soccer. Um, but uh, yeah, and wearables down 8% year over year kind of kind of interesting i don't know if that that speaks to the series eight being uh uh like it's just it's 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 a series seven that's basically what it is uh but i don't remember when the sc got refreshed and that's always a pretty big seller around the holidays so yeah i I would imagine that the apple watch has got to be the the story there and you know by all accounts the ultra has been relatively popular but yeah i mean the series eight is basically just a series seven which itself was basically just a series six so um hasn't been much new there have we talked about ah never mind i'll I'll save it for another never mind i i i have thoughts about the ultra but we'll we got a bit we got a a loaded show um okay was there anything else that was of note or not really uh no i think that's it from the results yeah um other related Apple stuff, um, there is, uh, we got this, um, what's her name? Evans Hankey? Yeah. Uh, she retired like a month and a half ago, but they basically, I guess either, I don't know, was this one of the, those silent announcements on the thing or did they actually say that they, this was going to be the case, but basically the, the end result is that, um, the industrial design team will now be reporting directly to Jeff Williams, who is what's the title? He's a CEO, COO period. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, interesting. I don't think there's actually much to be said here uh, other than there probably just wasn't a good bench for who would replace her. And in the interim, just kind of like how they and I don't actually think this made the show notes, but in the same way, I forget who, like Angela Ahrens left and she was the head of Apple retail. I forget what the actual title was. And then retail and all people ops ended up falling under Deirdre O'Brien's purview. And actually, I think uh, just today, yep, they actually got a new head of retail. New head, so that's of, head no of people. Longer. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, so uh, O'Brien is now is is retail only. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. But she previously was HR. I think. I think yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, stuff's moving around. I don't, like again. I mean, these, buy Apple's gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, Apple it's, Apple's it's gonna all, be it's, fine. It's all it's all it's all it's all fine. None, none of this matters. No zero only one out of every 10,000 people in the US know who Deirdre O'Brien is. It doesn't well, matter. No and, no nobody know <laughs> it's yeah, not affecting the 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 MacBook Pro that you buy. Right. Well, and you know, the the thing is like Apple especially from sort of a a 
what do you want to call it, your corporate governments, governance or corporate structure standpoint is already, you know, a pretty tight lipped company. And this is like the the most <laughs> secretive group within that already pretty secretive company. So I mean, this is like a really boring kind of take, but like, I don't think we have nearly enough information to know really what this means. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I I wouldn't read too much into it. Like I think I think this point was made on I think it was on upgrade. Um how, you know, the, the, the other thing to kind of think about with this is that the whole, you know, chief design chief position was something that was basically created for Johnny Ive to kind of have him stick around for a little bit longer. So, so you know, now that he's not around, it maybe it makes sense to just to not even have that title to to begin with so yeah Mm. i i wouldn't i wouldn't read too much into it i don't think yeah uh you're not required to know this do you know what is what does kevin lynch do the previous apple watch guy what 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 does he do with apple now i thought he got uh, put on the car project but then they are dramatically scaling back the car project yeah i think i think i think that's where he still is okay i miss him i like him Project Titan. I know. Bring bring him back in the the. Well, his, the that keynotes. was always the highlight of the keynotes. It's again, I mean, it he, was. He, yeah. Yeah. Again, in the Apple Watch, for for as much as a a, a nothing, the Series Eight is still a great product. I, I I really like it. It it took a long time for them to figure it out. It's very nice now, and it, and it's it's a it's a hard product to to summarize because people will frequently ask me, kind of like, so like honestly, like, why should you buy an Apple Watch? I struggle to explain why. Like, I'm, but like, I, I can explain, like, I know the value of it. Like, but just telling somebody, hey, you don't take your phone out of your pocket that much. Nope. Nobody ever seems to think that that's that interesting or a, like a reason to, to, to wear something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I bought a pebble way back in the day. Like, I instantly recognized the value of being able to just look at notifications on your wrist instead of pulling out your phone. That's, that kind of seems, seems obvious to me, but. Yeah, I mean the Apple Watch is it's notifications and it's fitness tracking, like that. That's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and a payment device. It's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I sent you. I sent you. Well, actually, again, this is a, a, a super a thirty second side reel. Um, I sent you a, a, a meme earlier this week about uh, I forget what it was, but the text was but it was like something like um, shopper fails for the eighth time to use Apple Pay at checkout. <laughs> But I, I actually really strongly believe that is that Apple Pay sucks now if you only have a phone. Ever since it went Face ID, it's really hard to authenticate without in like just in one smooth motion. Yeah. So that's the the trick to the Apple Watches, and I know that's a very like that's a very like hail capitalism type of thing to say is hey go go buy a five hundred dollar watch so that you can more easily pay for stuff. That's that's a lot. But it's that is a lot that that's using Apple Pay on the watch versus your phone is so much better and easier and nicer. So yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. Um, and then do you want to kick the six colors report card until next week? Yeah, let's or do let, you... let's do that because I feel like if we did it now, we'd have to kind of breeze through shift. it. But yeah, but yeah. I, I think that. that when we've reviewed that in the past or kind of read through the article, it feels like we've spent a lot of time on that because it, it, it is a really yeah. 
good kind of just check in on where Apple is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, let, let's let's save that for next week. All right, Disney. Yeah, so I guess like with with all of this streaming stuff, I feel like there's a little bit of a of a uh, thread here, which is that you know you're uh are you know well not definitely not friend of the show david zaslov um you know he Enemy of the show <laughs> he had sort of been um well kind of like everybody's enemy like in the streaming world right with some of the some of the moves that he was making around you know kicking shows off of hbo max and you know, uh, licensing them out in some cases he- he um, is the the Apple taking the charger out of the box. Yeah, of the entertainment industry. Yeah, like he he rips off the band aid for so. But yeah, apparently that that's the new cool thing, right? But you know the the thing that's been kind of amazing with with the streaming stuff is that 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 that, that this isn't my take. Like a, a lot of people were uh, making the point um, when Warner Media Discovery, whatever that company's called now. We're making those moves. You know, I I saw this in a few places. I was like, well, yeah, but you know, all the other streamers are going to be kind of doing this too at some point, just because that's the economic reality of of where things are headed. But I mean, it's literally been what, like, how long has it been since the Westworld thing? Like two months, maybe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's already you know happening with you know with Disney and with um, well, it was what. Showtime, right? Paramount like they Showtime, they, they got rid of all their originals from the service. Like, I mean, you know, as we talked about last week or the week before, like there are some specific things about HBO that makes some of the moves that they've made probably an issue going forward. But but nevertheless, like it it, it it's it it is really interesting that there was so much you know angst towards what they were doing, but now well, and, and, you know and, everybody else is joining. Them. <laughs> I mean, but also, but as a consumer, what they're doing is bad. Like, I, I like, I, I, I strongly dislike it. So I understand why they're doing it. And again, the whole point of why they do this is because they can avoid paying residuals and um, royalties to writers and actors and a lot of other people. And it's not just like a, a like how much are we buying the show for? Um, there's a good uh, segment on this on Marketplace a couple of days ago, which was that it's it's just that it existing on a service mean that it could potentially be watched means that they pay for it uh, on the ro- on a royalty basis whether like regardless of the audience size. So I get why they're doing it, but the thing that I just dislike so profoundly about it is like the whole point of HBO Now or HBO Go was that every th- you get access to everything HBO's ever made whether it was that one really niche show that you liked watching or it's The Sopranos you get access to it and now a service that like claims to be like from like the prestige product from that entertainment group now doesn't include everything which which is which is so dumb in any way other than a financial engineering way yep but um so yeah, so with that, a show that I keep meaning to watch, but still haven't the the Mike Isaac uh, ad, uh, the adaptation Showtime did of Mike Isaac's book about Uber uh, got pulled along with like four other shows. And that is part, I don't actually know if it's actually even happened yet, if Showtime is now integrated into the Paramount Plus app. So no idea. 
but Disney is now doing the same thing. And there was a uh, article that you throw in here from Bloomberg where uh, the whole the whole strategy and again uh, a challenging a challenging relationship with Bob Iger because he threw Chapek under the bus even though Chapek was executing on his plan of basically hey in order to bolster Disney Plus we are going to pull our content off of every other service and keep that library to ourselves. And now that apparently everybody has to suddenly make money, uh, now they're like, JK, let's now try to sell all this stuff to everybody else because we don't see the value in having it under our own service anymore. So, yeah. Um, And what else? Disney Plus lost subscribers for the first time. Not a ton, but it was the first quarter of non-growth with that. And it was Disney Plus proper that lost it. Um, Hulu and ESPN Plus were still up uh, quarter over quarter and year on year. Um, and then Disney also is going to be trimming, or I was I don't know why I'm uh, shortcutting it. They're going to be uh, terminating 7,000 employees in a cost-cutting move. Right. Yeah, um yeah, it's it's um you know, we've 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 said this before and lots of folks are saying this now like it is just it's it's crazy how things have just changed with streaming and with tech more broadly. Yeah, the the uh we need to not not this week, but we need to we need to circle back eventually to the broader tech story because I feel like it, it, that's been misunderstood and misreported, or chiefly that uh, the the quiet you only ever hear you only hear about the when a company needs to shrink, but people I guess maybe didn't notice when companies grew so dramatically over the pen. Anyway, there, there's a lot to be said there, but um couple other media things uh <laughs> oh my goodness so warner brothers discovery or what, what what is the legal name yeah warner warner brothers discovery inc uh so the whole deal was they're gonna make a super app kind of like what elon wants they wanted to have so uh the less the less important company discovery bought warner brothers but flipped the name and they were going to uh, squish together discovery plus and hbo max into a single service and eventually, I think the strategy was that they were going to do a boil the frog thing where the $15 a month subscription was going to become 20 and then those could be 25 maybe if they could find enough value that they thought, thought they were offering people. And so that the hesitation, like, and I think people noted, uh, noted this a year ago or when the, when the rumors of this started happening, which is that, oh, but all I want is HGTV content. So wait, now I have to pay like double or triple what I had. And then Dave was like, yeah. But apparently they are quietly backtracking where it is likely that Discovery Plus will still exist as a standalone product in addition to whatever the Max Max, the HBO Plus, a Discovery combo product is. I mean, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, this... this you know this this just makes a lot of sense like th- i feel like this is something we were on pretty early with the streaming stuff where one of the weird aspects about many of these services is the the bundle of content like the only thing that really 
brings this content together is the fact that it happens to be owned by the same parent company. Like, you know, obviously like the exceptions to this are like Disney, right? I mean, their, their streaming service, basically everything on it, you associate being Disney, not, not just because it's the same corporate owner, but just because it's, it's part of the Disney brand. But with, with a lot of these other services, including this Warner Brothers, you know, Discovery merger, like there, there's nothing, you know, intrinsic about putting Succession and the Property Brothers on the same streaming network. Like there's nothing tying those two programs together. And in fact, the, you know, the, the Venn diagram of where those audiences overlap is probably not all it's that a, It's a perfect big. circle. <laughs> So, like, you know, ha- having all of that live in the stream- same streaming service just because all of that content happens to be owned by this weird parent company that came together under these odd circumstances is is not a very compelling story to a consumer. So it 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 probably doesn't make sense for a lot of Discovery content to be on the same service as HBO content. So having them be two separate services, at least in some cases, that... Yeah, I mean that that makes more sense. Well, but then but that could also be said for HBO Max in its current incarnation. Why, why is Sesame Street next to Succession? Like, I mean, I would love to see a crossover of that, but like that's not the same thing with like don't they have like they have like it's it's Looney Tunes is not it's is it uh, HBO owns DC stuff? Cuz Marvel's Disney, right? Right. Like yeah, they like there's a HBO Max already doesn't make any sense. So I actually, I actually think so. Even though I think you, your point giving us credit that we were right about this a year ago is true, but I also think it's now wrong. I do think no, just shove it all together. Like at that point, then why don't we have an HBO only subscription that's ten dollars a month? Why don't we make four separate bespoke services that are cheaper? I don't like. I mean, ultimately, I don't think that's the right move. Like if they own all this stuff, jam it together and charge twenty dollars a month. That the whole the whole thing I've been thinking of, which is that as media continues to consolidate, and now that we understand that there can't be that many entrants and winners, and there's a finite budget that people are willing to pay, we don't need eight streaming services. Consolidate it all, and then people will pay seventeen dollars a month for Netflix. They'll pay twenty for whatever this Warner Brothers product. Like just I don't know, and eventually everybody will get back to paying what they did for cable. Like there's going to be consolidation. I I mean, I, I can't see then, then I guess discovery plus has to get more expensive. I just don't really see where this dinky micro service continues to exist. Like I, were they really going to lose that many subscribers paying $7 a month for discovery plus where this is the right move? I think this move strikes is indecisiveness. And them not committing to a single thing, so I don't know. Yeah, there's there's definitely an element of that. Yeah. Um, and then this one, I mean, I'll I'll call it a couple things, but there was I don't know if this was from some type of conference, and this was a summary of, but CNBC had a good article where they interviewed twenty different people about the future of TV, and I mean, mostly, yeah, people should read all of it. Because there's a strong diversity of opinions. It, it cu- touches on sports, who's going to be the leader in streaming services, what doesn't need to exist. Um, your boy, uh, 
this is so uh bill simmons Mm -hmm. in terms of um in three years, which major streaming services will definitely exist? Uh, you have Hulu, Peacock, Paramount out there as candidates to get swallowed up by a bigger streamer, but who's doing it? Apple never does anything. Amazon doesn't need to do anything. HBO Discovery just went through two mergers in six years. Netflix never does anything. Like He's not wrong, except uh, there's a point where he does say that Apple is going uh, to—he he has, he has a really—sorry, I'll read the internet for one more time. Which companies will dominate as the main hub of streaming? Uh, Simmons says, I believe Apple will be the dominant platform because of its connectivity to user behavior through Apple TV and our phones. They made it so goddamn easy. Their main page allows you to order movies, see all the new releases, see where you left off on any show you're watching on every other platform. It's amazing, except Netflix. He doesn't say that. That's the only streamer out there that acts as a one-stop shop for everything I care about, and they will get better and better at perfecting that. Plus, you can keep logging into your different platforms on there through your iPhone. It's really smart, and all roads lead through Apple. I think that's a somewhat narrow view of somebody who's in the Apple's ecosystem only. And I would buy his point more if Netflix ever comes around to integrating into the TV app, which they have no incentive to do because Apple doesn't want to play ball with data sharing with them. And also, I think he overestimates how many people actually have an Apple TV box, but he does make a point where that they have a more coherent view of the entertainment experience as something that's less like i feel like the antithesis of apple tv and apple's entertainment strategy is roku where roku wants to be this weird rent (laughs) a rent seeking middleman which is what apple likes to do on the app store but like they're like the way roku works feels so perverse as opposed to apple's which does seem like it's more in tune with creating the best entertainment experience possible. Like, I don't know. I I think that is an interesting observation that he makes. Like, I think most of it is categorically wrong, but I do think his view as somebody who is not necessarily inside on the deal-making side and is looking at that one specific thing more as an outsider, I think that's kind of interesting. Oh, but yeah, but there's a lot of good um, takes in here. So yeah, people should check that out. Yeah, that, that, that was a good read. All right. Anything else or chef specials? I think let's get to chef specials. Um, Do it. I've got, um, I've got a, a good one for you this week, I think. It's sticking with um, the streaming trend here. Um, so this is a new show on Apple TV Plus called Shrinking. You, you heard of this? I have not. It's 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 well it's it's a heavy watch, but it's also a bit of a comedy. So it's got it's it's a little bit of both, but it's a heavy heavy topic. Um, but it's got yeah, kind of a, a comedic tone to it. Um, it's 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 just it's it's really really well done. It stars Jason uh, Siegel and Harrison Ford, both of whom are really really good in it. Um. I think it does something really effective where it's the type of show that you'd expect to be a full hour, but is is closer to like the 30 minute mark. So it's, it's got a really good pace to it. Um, yeah, I, it's just, it's, it's a really, it's a really good show. It's, it's, it's emotional. It's funny, well-produced, well-acted, highly, highly recommended. Is it still being released weekly or is the season done? 
it's being released weekly. So I think they've, I think they've done, um, well, they, they did the thing where they, like, they dropped the first two or three episodes, I think, when it first came out a, a couple of weeks ago. And I think they're now through either episode four or five at this point. Hmm. Um, how many have you watched? We've watched all the ones that are out. So it's, I'm, I'm lo- actually looking at this now. Or I guess um, my question is, can you tell me how many episodes do you have to watch in order to know whether you, like, would you know from the first two whether it's a show for you? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah. more, more, but just a single one is not enough. Um, no, actually, I think episode one is a really good pilot that, that covers a lot of ground. So I think you'd be able to tell after that. So yeah, they, okay. they, they released the first two episodes at the end of January. Episode three was out last week, and then episode four is out this week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's really, it really good. Yeah. And you're still a no-go, or you're still in a holding pattern on Severance? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, haven't watched any more of that. Okay. All right. I have, I feel like this, I mean, this is just an evergreen one, but um, had to replace a couple things in the kitchen. Uh, the end result is that the OXO product is, as we always say, the right product. So I got some new uh, measuring cups and measuring spoons, which they're both lovely and very well intuitively designed. Uh, the only reason I bring, I call these out is that they magnetically attach to one another which makes them yeah much uh, much less likely to get lost and much more organized. Yeah, I like them. And uh on a related note to the best uh the uh demise of Bed Bath and Beyond eventually. They don't carry Oxo stuff anymore, uh which seems like a gigantic waste. So, uh Amazon it is for Oxo. Yeah, I just just sent you a screenshot. I literally went through exactly this same thing a little over a year ago where i was kind of just tired of all of our kind of mixed and matched you know measuring cups and spoons and bought these um exact two sets in fact i'm looking at it now i I bought them literally on the same day (laughs) um and yeah they're they're fantastic yeah they're nice and um I think they're dishwasher safe, but I don't, they, I don't, I, I don't want to, but I don't want to put them in the dishwasher. I, I always worry about that. I'm going to like ruin stuff like that. Like I don't ever put like my cocktail measuring thingy. No, like, the, I, the, I don't, I don't do that either. No, no, not like, not the $70. What, what's, what's the one previous chef special winner? The oh, thing? the, um, oh, what, what's that thing called? It's great. But I also yeah. still have a separate, cause I, I don't like the precision. Like if, if you're doing stuff that's less than like being measured in less than an ounce, uh, I don't, I don't think that's precise enough. So, but those other things, like there's a lot of OXO stuff that I have that is technically dishwasher safe that I, eh, I, I don't, um, what did I, what other point did I have before I closed out? Oh, so, but yeah, like, I mean, if you're ever replacing anything in the kitchen, again, just get the OXO thing. I, and actually this again, goes back to upgrade. Cause uh, Mike was talking about this in some other capacity. I forget what it was. I used to be in kind of, I mean, still am. There's a company called Joseph Joseph and it's, and it's a British company and they have a lot of stuff that is, um, cleverly designed at sometimes at the expense of being actually good, but they had a, like I had their measuring cup and measuring spoon set where the measuring cup and measuring spoons were all just this like 
10-piece nesting thing, which is convenient, but then when you actually start baking with any regularity, you find it's just terrible. And a lot of their stuff is like that. So it's more pretty than actually functional. So again, just just always buy the OXO thing. The uh, the elevated craft cocktail shaker is what we were trying to think of a minute ago, by the way, which... You know. Oh yeah! Now the dry January is over. Go put smash the buy button on that. That thing's that thing's great. It's really good. 